Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello everyone, welcome to the Serbian Corner, a show where a couple of Serbians talk about the Nuggets on the DNVR YouTube channel and the DNVR Nuggets podcast feed. So what we do on this show is a weekly recap of Nuggets basketball, quick takeaways, main teams, disagreements and everything else. My name is Miroslav, calling you from not too distant future from Pančevo, Serbia, six hours away from Dan and eight hours away from Denver, and this time I'm not joined by Voya Medic, who is tied up at work. But have no fear, you're not going to be you're not going to be exposed to me rambling by myself for an hour. We are already in the off-season mode, so we normally have just one segment on casual Fridays. But since Adam and the boys are golfing, golfing today, I felt the need to hop in and give you guys your Nuggets daily fix via this impromptu show. To make it more special, I've asked a good friend of the show to join me. He is a co-host of one of my favorite general NBA podcasts, Hardwood Knox, a writer for the Bleacher Report, and also one of the most fun NBA Twitter follows, not to mention a super nice guy, Mr. Daniel Dan Favale. Welcome, Dan. Oh, that was one heck of an intro. Thank you so much for having me. Always happy to, to hop on and chat with you. Are you super busy these days? Yes, I'm always busy. That's my default setting, but can't complain. I cover I cover a freaking game for a living, so I cannot complain. Uh, how many teams have you already covered on the Harvard Knox in the in the off season mode, or are you still going uh, division by division or something like that? So we've done like biggest questions for 26 of the 30 teams. It was just as they were eliminated from the season, and we might have more extensive like primers once we get past the NBA finals, but, um, you know, people for general NBA podcasts, people seem to love the free agency and trade content. And so we're about to get into a, a whole lot of that since it's about to become the, you know, trade season part two, there's the trade deadline and then there's just the off season. They're just wild when it comes to transactions. So I, I couldn't recommend more to everybody who is looking for more NBA content during the off season go and listen to Dan and and uh, his co-host Adam Frommel as well in on the Harvard Knox to to grab some more info because uh, very soon we are going to be without games so we need to to latch on to something before the new season begins okay so the reason I've called you to join me today is the fact that even though us Serbs usually have unique perspective on all things nuggets I wanted to add to that 
that uh, outside perspective from a very well, uh, very well informed uh, national media member that could better see the forest for the trees. So that this this why'd is, you bring this... me on then? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's start with our first segment, which is called the Rakia shot. So uh, let me just put it. Yeah, this one here. Okay, so Rakia is a Serbian national alcoholic drink, usually taken before dinner to make a toast. So what this segment will be is the quick headline, something that made impression on us quickly and strongly. This week's Rakia shot is the Tim Connolly news in the Denver Nuggets. Then I've seen some of the tweets of your tweets uh, about uh, the departure of Tim Connolly, so I'm eager to know what kind of message do you think the Nuggets as an organization is sending to its fans and to NBA free agents with letting their president of basketball operations to their division rival? I don't know if it's a particularly strong message, but if it is, it's not a great one. And I, the Nuggets have ponied up for their talent before, in the players, including the ones that they have on the roster at this moment. We know they're going to super max out Nikola Jokic. Um, they currently are slated to pay a ton in luxury tax payments next season. That being said, they've always kind of skimped on the front office side. It just so happens that um, they've done a good job of developing and, and having these front office minds in place. And you lose Masai Ujiri. Um, Tim Connolly's here. You lose him. But Calvin Booth, everything you read about him, he's, he's sort of just this draft-obsessed, detail-oriented person. And he was instrumental in trying to get the Timberwolves to draft Jamal Murray, but Tom Thibodeau wanted Chris Dunn instead. Look how that turned out. And so there's – Calvin Booth, ton of respect for him, and it seems like he's going to do a very good job. But you, you got to stop becoming like this farm system in the front office for these other franchises at some point. And I understand that Connolly got an offer um, that not only doubled his salary from Denver, but you got an ownership stake, which really – that rarely ever happens – and I, so I understand that part, you know, you can lean on that if you're the Nuggets from when you're looking at the fallout and saying, okay, well, you know, what were we supposed to do? How about never let it get to a point where he was just free to leave in the first place? He had that dalliance with the, I think it was the Wizards, uh, was it two years ago, whatever it was. And like, I don't know if he used that as leverage or if it was always in his contract that like they were just going to pay him less than market value or not top dollar. And he would have the flexibility to leave if he saw fit. You can't let things like that happen because he was super important to assembling this team. And at some point, the well is going to run dry, especially because the Nuggets are known as just a smaller operation in general. When you're looking at the front office, it's almost, an, you know, it actually, it's not almost, it's absolutely impressive with what they've been able to do given the size of their staff relative to some of these other teams. At some point though, you have to believe that you're not just going to, to hit perfectly on your next hire, or your next replacement. I'm not saying that's Calvin Booth. He might be fine. But Calvin Booth is probably, if he's great, he's going to end up getting paid by another franchise that is in Denver down the line. So I think that's a, a troubling message. And I don't think it does anything to the team materially right now. It's looking long term, whereas you're, you are going to have to flesh out the next era of basketball at some point. Are you going to have enough people in place, the right people in place um, to get to, to just get your franchise into a good spot? to where it's either segueing out of this error at any point, whether it's a rebuild or insta contention. Um, and if you don't like that could set you back years. And so it's not an imminent problem, but I don't think it's a particularly encouraging message when this is a reoccurring thing is the nuggets, the Cronkies just not paying to keep 
really, really good front office talent. Yeah, and you know, when you when you see a company that is always uh, promoting from inside and never getting you know outside talent to to put uh, in the top positions, that means that this company is either really smart or really cheap. And I I guess you can say both of those things for the Nuggets organization. They've really been able to buy you know low on the on the front office and coaching staff during the years and. Every year we see at least one assistant coach leaving for a, a higher position in another team or maybe for a, for a better salary elsewhere. So, uh, uh, yeah, they're building kind of a legacy both in front court, uh, in the front office and in the in the coaching staff. But it's it's really getting getting annoying to to Nuggets fans to to watch every year one of their favorite guys leaving for 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 greener grass i guess what do you think about michael malone's safety as a head coach now that tim connelly is is out because you know he was hired by tim connelly and when when a new general manager enters even though kelvin Booth was already a, a general manager before but he had a tim connelly on top of him and this 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 is the first time he is the guy so if he has a short short term contract he could always try to make let's say the nuggets don't have a really deep uh playoff run next season the first thing he could do is just fire malone right just to save his ass and try to try to prolong his tenure on the nuggets what do you think about that and voice just uh hi boy hey guys how's it going pretty good sorry i'm late i was getting done with an excellent. experiment excellent so what do you think about the uh michael malone's security at the head coach position now i think look there's a chance it would have become an issue no matter what because the nuggets are getting to a point where if they underachieve next season if they're more healthy um or if they just there's injuries again and they finish seventh or sixth in the West, whatever it is. Maybe they take a step back from this year for whatever reason. You've gotten to the point where almost one of the only things you can do is change the coach. And so whether if Tim Conley was still in charge, that probably becomes a topic um, if the Nuggets underachieve. And so maybe it makes it more likely now if Calvin Booth wants to put his stamp on the team. Um, I would guess just because he's been with the Nuggets for a while that there should be at least more synergy there between he and, and Michael Malone. And if you're just the franchise in general, I know Nikola Jokic is super low maintenance, but you know he had a great relationship with Tim Connolly. He has a fantastic relationship with Michael Malone. You can only get rid of so many people who he is close to, like in consecutive seasons, in my mind. And look, he's been low maintenance, great. Don't take advantage of that. And you already have, in my opinion, by letting Tim Connolly go. So I wouldn't expect it to become an issue unless the Nuggets are just bad or flat out underachieving next year. And I do think when you look at this season and you know, the seeds are stupid because of how close some of the win totals are, but they're sixth. When you look at the talent on the roster, that is a disappointment, but you have the context of the injuries that helped Nikola Jokic win MVP. That is probably where you'll see the biggest difference, where if those are injuries you're dealing with again, because Michael Porter Jr. Has those serial back issues. Maybe Jamal Murray doesn't look the same. Uh, you're not going to have that, I guess, perceptional cushion. And that could lead the franchise to, again, look at Michael Malone's security if they don't think that they can move Murray 
or Michael Porter Jr. or do anything else to, to upgrade the roster. They are, given how much they're paying their core, getting to a point where if something does go wrong, you're going to just start looking at the coach because that is one of the few things that you're, you're able to change. Voya, what do you think we haven't been able to, to hear your opinion about the fallout of Tim Connolly leaving and, yeah. and just to latch to the last question about how, how should Michael Malone feel about the whole thing right now? I mean, honestly, like, yeah, considering how, how Nuggets have shown with the organization, you guys talked about it, like, and, and Dan, you're right. There's so much advantage you, they should be able to be allowed to take advantage of Jokic's low maintenance. I mean, Malone's got to wonder at this point, like, if they're willing to, you know, set, you know, get away from Conley at this point, like, you know, he's not safe, like he wasn't safe in Sacramento. And you're right, with the underachieving next year, that is one of the things, like, first of all, it wouldn't wouldn't be unfair completely to look at look at him if the roster's completely full and healthy. Uh, if they're underachieving, like, maybe it is something with him, which I don't think it is, like, he's a good coach. And I don't know. I was kind of I was kind of MIA with the with the Conley thing because I don't know. I mean, the thing is, like, I was never that invested in president of basketball operations stuff. It does suck because he's he was really good and he was really that culture was built by him. The guys at DMVR talked about it uh, extensively this week. So that is concerning that you're willing to sacrifice that foundational piece of who built this attitude towards basketball that the Nuggets have because it's the guys that he chose that also are complimentary to this team of and that Jokic's psyche of like hey this is a team first sport we want to bring players that believe in that as well and it's not an accident like these all these guys like Bones you know Monte all these people were drafted to the Nuggets and some of the other guys throughout the league weren't so I will see I mean the thing is yeah you'll be right about Booth like he might you know he might eventually be like hey uh, this is it's me or you at this point if we underachieve I hope they don't I mean I really don't think about that think that they will it just it's the beast of the nba you see the grizzlies are so deep this year and i I said this whole year like they were so similar to me with the nuggets in 2018-19 that they had such a deep roster that they can with all the injuries they can still be winning now nuggets are front loaded and you have you know a couple of guys go out and you're in trouble so I, I don't know. I I think it was bad to not sign Conley, obviously, and I I've, now it's just, now they're on alert, like the whole organization. And I would see Jokic being pissed if Malone is the next one to go. Obviously, like I wouldn't blame him either. Haven't been able to watch the Nuggets, Avs, and Rapids games? Now you can watch all Colorado teams you love with Avaca TV. Avaca is a totally new approach to TV programming delivering that is less expensive, easy to watch, and offers a superior picture. Services include Altitude Sports, AT&T Sportsnet, and other national channels. Avaca TV is growing constantly and adding new channels. I know they just had a new partnership with Sling TV. You're going to want to check that out. But yes, most important of all, they have Altitude Sports. That's where you're going to want to switch. They also have a brand new DNVR channel that you're going to want to check out. Now, here's what you got to do. Go to avaca.tv slash DNVR to sign up. Use promo code DNVR. You get $10 off your first three months. That's only $15 per month, the first three months, plus the receiver. No contacts, no hidden fees. Option to rent a receiver, $5 a month, or purchase a receiver for $250. Evaca TV, you guys know them. Big partners of ours. And some exciting things coming up for them. So check them out. Evaca.tv slash DNVR. 
I also want to tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more and more. And Boom! you got a shot at a bigger payoff. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg does not hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win the game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code DNVR. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Let's now skip to... to uh, uh a better subject and uh, the off season is approaching fast the, the 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 draft is like in three and a half weeks right now so we are now going Ooh. to the burek of the week and burek is a nice juicy pastry dish uh, that comes either with cheese spinach or meat and is well known because nikola Jokic used to eat it a lot when he was younger around the time he was turning pro so this segment will be best thing of the week that we liked the most that was the juiciest story performance or a whole game now we don't have any nuggets games so we have to latch on on the little pieces of news we get during the week so basically our high calorie count topic we like the most so then let's start with this and this is also a downer what is in your opinion the most glaring weakness of this nuggets roster right now I think it's probably point of attack defense. You could make a case for shooting in theory, but it's they just didn't have Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. That's going to work itself out if they're healthy. And a team, you could have really crummy shooters around Nicolio because you're just going to have space because he finds a way to to generate it for you with his passing and then just, I mean, him being himself. Um, and so I, I think you need to try and find guys or a guy who's going to alleviate the burden on Aaron Gordon, who has just been overtaxed and miscast now at every NBA stage of his career. They were trying to use him too much on offense in Orlando. Um, They had him shouldering some pretty heavy defensive burdens. He comes over to Denver and it's like the perfect fit on paper, but he finds himself being even used more heavily as a point of attack defender while also not having the perfect offensive role just yet because you didn't have Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. So they really need to get what I would coin as like the best or second best defender that would be on this team. And I don't know necessarily how you go about that outside of a trade, unless you get lucky in free agency, just because we know they, you know, if, if they're willing to spend it, the most they're going to be able to use is that mini mid-level exception this summer. So uh, there are guys that spring to mind when you think about that, like a Bruce Brown, who's entering free agency, if he decides to leave Brooklyn. Uh, And I, if I'm the Nuggets, I'm not worried too much about the offensive impact of those players I'm bringing in. Because again, Nikola Jokic is going to find ways to, to get even non-shooters um, moving towards the basket or just higher end opportunities. And someone like Bruce Brown specifically shot the ball extremely well from three this year on, on very little volume, but that's an encouraging sign. If you were looking at him specifically, I do believe that's the route you have to go. If you're going to upgrade this team, whether it's on the margins or take a bigger swing on the trade market, I, I believe that needs to be your focus. And if it's not, that probably says that you don't have a great deal of faith in 
Michael Porter Jr. and or Jamal Murray remaining healthy for most of next season. And that's an entirely different issue that you then have to contend <laughs> with. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a whole different conversation. If they, which is kind of be, would you know, would be a downer if if the off season turns out to be what you're saying is they don't pull any of those moves. You're like, ah, oh, damn it, they're not really having any faith in this year again. So it's like three years now of of and, the, and, and know, that was actually of Jokic's prime, yeah. And that was actually our whole season. The the season that just ended for the Nuggets was basically that we were just waiting okay another month another month another month okay push for another four weeks hopefully it'll be fine now michael porter is uh, about to come back before jamal murray okay no now nobody's talking about michael porter anymore now we're waiting for jamal and so on and it just never happened it was crazy you see i don't know if you guys saw did you guys see the someone snip uh clip uh screenshot it like it was a before all-star break entering all-star break the odds for winning the title or reaching the finals or something Golden State was like 10%, according to them. And then Denver was at 14 because they were assuming Jamal and Porter would be back because those were the news at that point. Like Jamal was supposed to be around All-Star. I'm like, that's crazy. The Nuggets, not right now, looking back at it, thinking that roster, like there's no way they have more of a chance to go to the finals than the Warriors. But I, I agree with the point of attack. And I, and this year kind of proved that concept where you're saying is Jokic will find space no matter who's around him. Like no matter how bad they're shooting, you know, it seems like he can get, you know, get his quote unquote, but in a, in a flow of offense as well. Like, you know, against the Warriors, they weren't shooting that well in a few of those games where they were just, you know, when they took him to to the edge um, to end of you know last three games. Um, and he was still getting like really good numbers and producing and the whole season, obviously, like they were double, triple team at certain certain stages. So that you're right, I completely agree. Like Bruce Brown, if if they can pull him, like that would be a great, that would be a great get. Like some someone like that, and then you can talk about trades with Barton and and you know trying to consolidate that part of it too. But I agree, that's a great great point. Fun, with the point of funny, you should mention Bruce Brown because Dan Favale actually mentioned Bruce Brown as a great target for the Nuggets in his article a couple of weeks ago. So so we'll get on that as well. One one interesting thing for me, a couple of weeks ago, the great Caitlin Cooper had a tweet saying that out of the four last teams left in the playoffs, there was only one player that was 6'10 or, or taller, and that's Dwight Powell for the Dallas Mavericks, and he sucked, actually, in that series. So I'm not now trying to ask you if the Nuggets should trade Nikola Jokic, I want to ask you: <laughs> Should Nuggets keep Demarcus Cousins as, or try to keep Demarcus Cousins as their backup five? Is there is there a viable viable uh, uh, advantage to have a, such a big backup center for the for the playoffs next season? Then. I think if you can keep him, it makes sense to having the relationship that he has with Michael Malone and also just someone you can use, not similarly to Nikola Jokic, but you're not going to have to change your offense a ton when you're in the half court. Like he can work from a lot of the same spots that Jokic does. Um, if you're looking for a different type of backup center, then you're probably looking for functional diversification, which is fine. I just don't think that that's what you should be using your best spending tool on, which would be your, you know, your mid-level exception this year. Um, and also just the names of the centers, like you're not going to get a Nick Claxton or a Mitchell Robinson. Um, you're probably not even going to be able to get, and, and you had in Isaiah Hartenstein would have been fantastic for this team. Um, so I, if yeah. you can get Boogie back and like, he's not, he's also not costing you. And I can't imagine he would, 
your best spending tool, um, I don't think it's a terrible option. If you really want to diversify what your backup five package looks like, Jeff Green is still under contract. And then I even think, you know, I don't see it all the time, but I am just an incredibly, I'm incredibly high on Zeke Naji. And I think that you could probably steal more backup five minutes with him over time. I know he's sort of viewed as like this pure four or whatever, but I think against certain matchups, especially what we've seen in the playoffs, and especially given how Zeke Naji can move, uh, I do think that you can grab minutes from him there as well. So you don't need to make, in my mind, a huge to do over the backup five spot, unless again, you're really just looking to, to juice those, like, you know, when it matters most eight to 10 minutes when Nikola Jokic isn't going to be on the floor. So if Boogie can come back and it's going to cost you the minimum, I absolutely think based off how he played uh, what you might want out of your backup five on offense, that, that that's totally, uh, totally fine. If not a good move by them. Moya, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think they should. Yeah, especially because he was playing better and better as the season was going on. Obviously, he got into shape. Like one of our guys, Ice Cube guy, uh, said basically they should have signed him for like end of the season and next year on a minimum. So before he like he starts playing well, uh, so he doesn't like out price himself out of the Nuggets contract. Um, I think they should have an option of having that center. That was that was what what it what sucked about the Hardenstein thing. Is that they had him and they had like Jermichael Green, uh, that it's it just with Malone. Sometimes it's weird, like he has this specific rotation and people complain about him all the time. And I'm one of one of them with the with the rigidity of the regular season with his rotation. Is there's with him? There's not a lot of like, hey, we'll try like Zeke for a few games and then see how it goes. And I think with Boogie is is a vet that gives you the option because with Hardenstein he was still he needed minutes to actually develop and he got that in Cleveland and he then went to the Clippers this year too and now he's probably going to be a regular rotation for them it is with with veterans they understand and like how how it works so like you can you can sit them and they know you whatever you plug them in Rivers was out of it for for a few games this year and then he's back like because he was ready he knows how to be a professional so I think it's it would it would be paramount to have that option of like a big center because you you hit the nail on the head, damn! With the style of play when Jokic is out, when you have Boogie, it doesn't change philosophically. I guess like you can obviously with Murray there, you have you can run him through pick and rolls and stuff, but he can pass like he is a big presence there. You're not changing like oh we're going completely small ball five out, and you have Monte that used to play you know they he's used to playing with Jokic in those uh, you know, like overall rotation minutes that then goes and now we're going five out and then I have to like go to the rim and we're not doing pick and roll. We saw that with like, they were running teams out of the gym in Denver when Plumlee was there just because they would have that continuity. And I really like that obviously for playoffs. It didn't work out for, you know, when, in, with the Lakers and stuff, but they had that rhythm. And so the guys on the bench would be used to playing that style, even though obviously no one's Jokic, but that, idea of basketball that with this through a center with they can pass then if in, in case of injuries then they go into starting lineup and they're used to now like playing that level again so i think i think you sh- they should have as much like i think that's what booth should be prioritizing this type options on this roster because we've seen them being injured a lot so to have like safe bet you know s- that's why there was a problem with pj got hurt he was like the only small forward so have like as many options as you can so you can you know you can mix and match like when you need to yeah i have to agree boogie is a great option for the regular season for sure and even if you have to cut him out of the rotation for the playoff 
that's not a problem if you actually manage to have 15 guys on the roster, on the regular <laughs> yeah. roster spots that, that can all play. And uh, if you can get Boogie and not use one of the one of the exceptions for keeping him on, that's that's just a, that's a no-brainer for me. So I agree with both of you guys. Okay, now draft is approaching. Should the Nuggets keep or trade their first-round pick this season? The reason I'm asking this is because on the draft night they can try and pull uh, all-in move using their this year's pick and also a couple of first round picks from the future and attached it to some salary some players to try and get the all-star level player what do you think then is it, are you in favor of trying to to pull something like that out or maybe do it in 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 stages like just use this year's first round pick for one move uh, at the draft night and maybe keep some picks for the for the uh, trade deadline next season next year yeah I, I think it just depends on who's available i i think in a vacuum it would make sense to move the pick after you after you take it just because this is not you know depending on who's available if you if you really like a you know one of the prospects i've grown to like for them is marjan bochamp feels like he could come in b3 and d right away but we've seen that normally the playoffs the finals, the highest levels of basketball are not going to be accessible or impacted by youth. The Warriors might be an exception. Um, and like Kaminga even looked overmatched in a bunch of his postseason minutes. And look at yeah. how long it's Jordan Poole's in uh, year three. And this is what it's taken to get him to that level. So there's a, a way to get immediate help. Uh, you absolutely should consider, especially if it's addressing some of your biggest needs. The scale of it, though, is just going to depend. Because when you're talking about moving other picks, like they, in theory can trade 2027 and 2029. That's really, really far away. And you can question whether even teams will value those picks because front office, uh, most front offices don't have the type of job stability that we see from, you know, certain ones like a uh, Masai Ujiri in Toronto or Tim Connolly before he left Denver. So um, that changes the complexion of offers, but they do have, they have just some interesting middle rung contracts. They can, you know, if teams want to pick, and they're looking to get rid of just a veteran because they're going in a different direction or they're worried about his next contract. Um, they, they certainly can do some things. I do think the ultra aggressive move, and I know you sent this on the rundown, so I don't mean to jump ahead. It's going to come down to, are you putting Bowens Highland on the table? And that is in a perfect world. I'm saying no, but if you believe that Jamal Murray is going to be fine, then Bowens Highland absolutely has to be on the table. If the right player becomes available because he is yeah. your single biggest trade asset right now realistic trade asset anyway it's not mm -hmm. michael porter jr with that contract kicking in it's not even jamal murray if you thought they would consider moving him coming off an acl injury you're not moving Nikola Jokic. that would be absolutely bonkers uh <laughs> so it, it's bones highland like and it's it's just not even close and yeah. what what do you think is the level of player that nuggets could land for a for a bones and let's say a first round pick or two and some salary i think the ceiling on it and people in Canada will probably be extremely mad at me, is an OG Ananobi. Like, if you include a Bowens Highland, who doesn't necessarily fit the Raptors' defensive motif, but I fully believe that he might end up being a lead guard someday in the NBA after watching him this season. I had no idea. The shooting was probably undersold somehow, but yeah. I had just no idea him coming into the NBA about his passing and how comfortable yeah. he, he looks making decisions when turning corners. Um, 
I, there's probably some questions about what does he look like if you're putting the ball in his hand, slowing it down a bunch. Uh, but he was a rookie. So, and making an impact on a team that went to the playoffs. If you're attaching him to this year's first, um, you have other salaries. Like Zeke Naji is going to be an asset to certain teams because he's so cheap. You also have the salary matching tools in Will Barton, also Monte Morris, Jermichael Green going into the final year of his deal. I love, I love Jermichael Green. He was terrible this past year, but he's on an expiring contract. That's an asset. So if you were really willing to throw the kitchen sink and Toronto's thinking, not necessarily long-term, but okay, we have Scotty Barnes. There's no trading Siakam anymore. He's fantastic. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know why that was a thing in the first place. We have Fred Van Fleet. OG almost seems out of place now on offense. And I think you could argue the version of him that they used on offense this year might actually be the best role for him. But it does get a little jumbled in Toronto pretty quickly. And so I could see him being available for the right price. And I think Bowens Highland is tantalizing enough to put you in those conversations again, not alone bones Highland plus salary is not getting you OG Ananobi, but if you were willing, well, you should be willing to include this year's first. Um, if you're also willing to include a distant first uh, Zeke Naji, if maybe te- there are going to be teams that like Will Barton, there are going to be teams that love Monte Morris. My co-host is in love with Monte Morris. Yeah, we know. Uh, <laughs> there, I, I think there are more options available to the nuggets on the trade market than people actually credit uh, because I don't think they understand, and maybe it's not understand. Maybe we just don't fully grasp, especially at a national level, how valuable Bowens Highland is. Just how high level of a prospect he became. Yeah. You just you just made me giggle with with the OG. I don't know we take because you know, first of all, both Voya and I love him so much, and it would be so ir- ironic, and it would be a full circle on him because actually he was the reason the Nuggets had a debacle. Uh, in yeah. That, uh, in that, uh, what was it? 2018 draft. What? When no, was? Se- no, no. It was 16 or 17. Se- yeah, maybe 17. Tyler. The, yeah, the Tyler Lydon. That was same yeah. year as Monty was drafted. Yeah. Yeah. Th- so they traded back because they thought OG Ananobi would would be available. They tried to be cute and to be to get uh, OG Ananobi on a lower draft pick, and then they ended up with uh, Tyron Tyler Lydon. And uh, Trey Lyles, they got from Utah. Oh, and Ly- they gave Ly- away. Lyles, was, Lyles was before. Lyles was on the Mitchell. That was for the Mitchell pick, or something like that. Yeah, L- think- Lyles, Lyles, and Lyle yeah, yeah, yeah. were, were the same draft. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Lyles was already two years in the league when they when they got. Well, that might have been. Yeah, it might have been like that year with the Mitchell. That, yeah, yeah, they moved back from thirteen that. to get to yeah. try to get Arjun and Obi and Trey They Lyles gave, gave away Utah, yeah. practically Donovan Mitchell to get two power forwards, theoretically can shoot but never could on the yeah. Nuggets. Well, well, you said with the trade with the pick, like how how willing they would be to trade that pick is again is one of those you just we mentioned Trail House thing. Are you getting Jeremy Grant or Trail House? If you want to, you know, because we got Graham for first pick and that worked okay. I mean, obviously it wasn't complete fit that year. They were, I don't know if Malone was just not plugging him in if they were, didn't realize at that point, like, oh, he's just a three, like we should just have him at a three and or like a combo three, four with Michael Porter. And then in the in the bubble, they figured it out eventually. But yeah, that's, but then are you getting Trey Lyles, which was a f- perfectly fine player, but will he get you over the top? With Bones, I mean, it's, as much as it hurts me, like I love OG, but it's also he also is. I think both of them have the issue of like with the injuries, the well, issue, like quote unquote issue. Like OG was hurt a bunch, but then he then eventually played and he was good. Bones, 
was brittle at some point. You know, he would like twist his ankles a bunch of times until he, which is, I guess, I think also comes with, the, you know, with some rookies. Like he just needs to get used to the, like, just balancing and level of NBA. But man, Oju would be, Oju would be fun if he, because again, it would be like a Gordon thing. He might have a reduced role, which would elevate his game in some ways. Um, he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't be relied maybe what, beginning of the season. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, like he was doing a lot of ball handling when Siakam was out and they were giving him a bunch of that stuff. And then he got hurt. He was really doing well, but then he got hurt. And yeah, um, his season yeah. was really stop and start with his yeah, availability, yeah. which I think hurt him because he wasn't great this past year. And so maybe if you're the uh, if you're the Raptors, that's why you don't move him. And again, I think he'd probably be like the loftiest possible acquisition yeah. for, for Denver. Otherwise you're looking at like, and these players would help, Phoenix is going to be preparing for to either pay Aiton or maybe they're worried about Cam Johnson's next extension. Is Jay Crowder on the table? That's how it works. Another name that's bringing to mind for me, I think he's going into the final year of his deal. Um, Dylan Brooks in Memphis. Um, they have Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones are free agents. They paid Jaron Jackson Jr. They're about to extend John Morant. Um, is that someone that they view as – and look, they're a team that has Zaire Williams, clearly believes in their ability to draft. And so if you put your first-round pick on the table – Memphis already has two in this draft. I'm not giving up. To be clear, I wouldn't give up Bones for a Jay Crowder or a Dylan Brooks. I'm trying to think of names where uh, you could include equity, maybe Najee's involved in there, salary filler that helps. Like a, a Will Barton probably helps Memphis a ton when you look at the structure of their offense right now. Um, does that get you a Dylan Brooks? And so like those scale of moves, I think, are even at least within the realm of possibility for the Nuggets. With with both fan bases like tear, tear up their hair like it's like oh we got rid of Brooks oh we got Will Barton it's like the shot selection great. Um, I think I find Will Barton more digestible to watch than Dylan Brooks. On no, definitely. I think well, I think so. Yeah, but then then on reverse it on defense like Barton is almost unwatchable sometimes, and then Dylan Brooks can do good things. It's just funny. Yeah, well, I love because Denver Nuggets fans like can can get throw Will Barton on the bus a lot. And I kind of gave up on him by the end of the season and some of the things he was doing. But it, was, it would have been funny just seeing how <laughs> with Brooks, just like, oh, we got rid of Barton. Oh, now it's Brooks. And you see, about, like, I don't know if how much people have watched Memphis over, over the year, but it's like some of the shots that he takes. I think he, they, people would lose their minds, like just you know, waving off of the shots. He yeah, takes wave, waving yeah. off Jokic and like pulling up for three, like a step back three. That would have that would really go over well in Ball Arena. One one name that is uh, circulating around Nuggets fans a lot uh, last few weeks is is Dort. Do you think that uh, would you be willing to part with Bones Highland to get Dort on the Nuggets, or is it too steep of a price for that? I personally would not, because Dort is entering the final year of his contract, and he is you need so to, you need to pay him to pay yeah. him. And he is so spotty on the offensive end. I think it's, I don't have a problem paying players, but I'm more confident. Like if he saw, if he gets OG Ananobi money, or let's say he gets less than OG Ananobi money, which he should, he's not as good as OG Ananobi. Uh, I'd still feel more comfortable, way more comfortable paying an OG Ananobi. I would look, this has probably become like a meme at this point. I'd feel more comfortable running it back with Jeremy Grant than I would in bringing in a Ludador, <laughs> just because I, his offense makes me a little nervous. And I probably, I also want, if I'm the Nuggets, a bigger body in there as well. And like Lou Dort, he's, as someone said this on Twitter, I think his name is David Brandon. And I can't, I laugh every time I think about it because it's so perfect. Lou Dort is built like a Mack truck that is made up of a bunch of smaller Mack trucks. He's just not like especially huge. And so I do think there are matchups <laughs> that could 
hurt like that he can't handle. Whereas if you have a Jeremy Grant and OG Ananobi, you can be a little bit more flexible with moving them up the the positional spectrum or the 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 archetype spectrum, so to speak, on defense. So I, I wouldn't give up bones for him. If you're talking a first round pick, if you're talking if you're talking other stuff, then yeah, I would consider it. But bone, that's not a good enough player to me to give up bones for right now. Yeah, because it could be a similar – like with OKC, it was the first pick for Jeremy Grant on the last year of the deal, and he yeah, didn't – They, they had a trade, a trade exception to for, for it to be oh, possible, true, yeah. you know, to, to get uh, – No, I'm just, just saying like just yeah. ideally. Maybe, you know, you obviously first and maybe like matching salary or whatever yeah. for the deal, but he being the last year of his contract, you would hope he signs with Denver next year or like, you know, you, if you get him. But that's but that's an, that was an interesting suggestion. I, I was my, – my, Dream pick, which is one of those like I love Lenovo guys. It would be Josh Hart if they can pull him with somehow uh, through like a Portland trade, sign and trade, whatever, whatever thing is. I'm not really big, like I'm I'm not really an off season guy, so like I don't know these salary caps like manipulation. So I'm like in, in don't this worry, case, the front just... office aren't front aren't off season people either. So you're, you're good. <laughs> Fair. Uh, so that, that's like a, that would be like a guy that I would love to see in, in a Barton place. It's like be Murray Hart. Michael Porter, Gordon, Jokic. Like I don't know if that would if that would solve like the point of attack defense as much because he what he, he is a good defender. I don't know how good I haven't followed his like career within the last few years that closely, but I love him as as an idea. I guess with the Nuggets, that type of player. Yeah, if he's available for sure. Uh, if I'm the Blazers and you're keeping Damian Lillard, uh, you have to keep him because yeah, yeah, you got you just trade first of all. I don't think we're making enough about how the Blazers traded Larry Nance Jr., Robert Covington, CJ McCollum, and Norman Powell, and did not get back a first-round pick in this year's draft. That is I don't, that is not practice. And so Hart has that non-guaranteed salary. I think it's like twelve something million. He's a bargain on that. And yeah, so yeah. if the Blazers do pivot, that's certainly a name to look at. I still, and maybe this just speaks to how high I am on Bones, and maybe that's irrational. I'm not giving up Bones for Josh Hart either and it's not I was thinking more like a barton like swap or something like that like a salary matching I, i'd be curious to see what the level of player barton naji and this year's first round pick would be able to yeah that would be with. interesting because yeah. we that's things like we're so low on barton because of just how sour the season ended again he was also hobbled by the end of it and he's he's put a lot of miles on his on his body over the years that's why i'm really that's what you're right like i wonder objective like coming from other like you know from national perspective like how much they would get because if you don't follow closely barton has didn't have a bad season when you look at his statistics and like some of his stuff like it was pretty decent and but like you watch it's just the the defense man it's just yeah that's the thing is we have to watch it all the time to see that and that's the people didn't like how much they value kcp was one of the guys someone throw it in the chat i think yeah see when you're looking at kcp is perfect so is josh hart you're talking about teams that as of now are still trying to win. And that's where it gets where you can see the Raptors, at least the Raptors are just different with how they operate. So maybe you (laughs) can see them making a move like that. Um, You need to find teams that are maybe looking to cut costs. And I think what helps you with Will Barton, he's probably still most valuable as an expiring contract leading into next year, but he's been better defensively in the past. And I think it's also different when he needs to be your third, fourth, or even fifth best offensive player versus I think you could argue the Nuggets need him to be like their second on certain nights right here. So that change, and like you said, he's banged up and he's had some injury histories in the past as well. So I don't think you get a ton for him, but just because you have, if you're willing to trade your first and Zeke Najee and he is an expiring contract, um, 
I don't think it gets you into the highest level conversations, but I don't think that that's like this laughable offer that teams are going to be, you know, not willing to to entertain. Oh, it's like, not, yeah, I yeah, yeah, I agree. It's not it's not laughable at all. Like that would be interesting. We'll see. That'll be fun. Okay. That's I mean that's why Calvin Booth. You know that's why you know. That's his. It's an important offseason for him. We we are really hoping for Kellen Booth to show his aggressiveness now in the trade market and the free uh, free agent market as well, because that's something that Tim Connolly was known for being really really cautious about making moves, not to make a a bad move. And he really did architect a really really good roster, really good culture because of it. But I don't think the Nuggets have uh, enough time with Nikola Jokic. To be extra careful in the in the future, we need to see some yeah. some moves to to strengthen the roster. What, what do you with, what do you think, Miroslav? With because Dan mentioned like with Barton, you know, as a fourth or fifth option, we've seen him be be good like that after the trade last year. Do you think if they don't make any moves that aggressive moves and and be like, hey, we'll run it back? We saw how good we were with him as a fourth or fifth. Do you think that's playing with fire? Because if things don't go well. Like how then then people they might even decrease his value through through the year and you might not just get anything. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. Beers on tap and regular seltzers are being sold at the bar. So if you're going there for the Avalanche watch parties, you know what you're going to be drinking. I highly recommend if you're watching the Avs play, what better beer is there than the Breckenridge Brewery Avalanche Amber? Amber Ale's number one, my favorite. Malty beers, delicious anyway, uh, but also during Av season, what better thing to do? Breck Brew has a beer for any occasion, and there's no better way to watch a game than having a Breck Brew. You can get those good company hard seltzers and hard lemonade seltzers. Uh, you got Avalanche Amber, Juice Drop IPA, Summer Pills Shandy. Actually, I don't think I've had that one. Summer Pills Shandy, I'm going to have to remedy that. Strawberry Sky, and then, of course, the Vanilla Porter Jr. And if you're not able to get down to the DNVR bar, but you want to go to a liquor store that has Breckenridge Brewery there, just use the Breck Brew Locator. Google the Breck Brew Locator, put in your uh, zip code, and it's going to tell you exactly where you could find one, which bars have it, which restaurants have it, which um, liquor stores have it, and you can walk right up and get it. You can also check out breckbrew.com. Lots of different deals going on there. But, of course, the official beer partner, that's Breckenridge Brewery, official partner of DNVR. Also want to tell you about Lightshade. Lightshade Dispensary is our dispensary here at DNVR. And I also today want to tell you about Ripple, the fast-acting dissolvable. Clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy, Ripple starts absorbing within 10 minutes. That's one of the things about those gummies. You take a gummy and you're sitting there 30 minutes, you're like, did I take enough? Then you take another one. Then they kick in so late you can't get it figured out. This one, fast acting, it starts absorbing within 10 minutes so you can depend on a consistent experience every single time. With Ripple Dissolvables, you can make anything an edible, flavorless, dissolvable powder. Ripple Quick Sticks are the most convenient way to get the fastest THC. Just pour on your tongue. Ripple products come in a variety of doses for whatever experience it is you're looking for. No sketchy science here. Ripple's uh, speed and absorption were studied by Colorado State University in a randomized placebo controlled trial and real people the results were published in a peer-reviewed journal that's colorado's premier dispensary light shade with 11 convenient locations denver metro and aurora locations barnum location now open one block off sixth avenue and federal boulevard the biggest light shade store specialty products not not offered at other locations 
And right now, our podcast listeners get 25% off non-sale items when you use promo code DNVR. It's the best promo code we have here. We want you guys to be hitting up Lightshade. Make it your home dispensary. You can also visit Lightshade.com for pickup or visit Lightshade locations. I really think that if Will Barton is not moved in July... That means that he's just a just a expiring contract after that, because if you're okay. waiting for the trade deadline, you're just basically trading his 13 minutes, uh, 13 uh, or no, it's not 13, it's 15 million, 16 million uh, of contract yeah. he has right now, and that's a value because a lot of teams are, are looking to offload salary at the end of the season. So you can get honestly, if if they will not be able to move Will Barton. Uh, at the tra- uh, 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 at this off season, I think they should move him to the bench and and try to to make something else work and just use him as a as a secondary or, or even a primary ball handler off the bench. And uh, I I really think his best role for for this upcoming season is to go to a rebuilding team, get a lot of minutes. But uh, not not to be pushed uh, uh, above his his uh, powers, so he can stay healthy and get another good contract because he's like 31 right now, and he should be able to get another good contract somewhere. Time. And problem about that is he's maybe too good for rebuilding team because he might get too many wins for a Oklahoma City team or for I don't know Orlando Magic team next season so that might be a problem but you know rebuilding teams can always shut down a player make up uh, some kind of reason not not to uh, play him. although it does worry me like when you i really hope that doesn't happen yeah when you when you i think dan you mentioned okkc with with uh because we're talking about dorton with bones i'm like it does it does give me nightmares thinking about bones and shy in the same team just that lanky like how that would look like especially in the division like i don't want to see that I'd like it a lot more than Giddy and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, to be honest with you. I'm not – I, I remain too low, probably too low on Josh Giddy. I've gotten a lot of crap for that. <laughs> You're fine. I'm... I don't know, man. I would love Giddy on the Nuggets. I would love him. The passing I, is fantastic. I, just... I, I, I'm not, I, I personally love, love when someone's a shooter – like they can shoot first and everything else later, I guess. Or shoot at all. Shoot at all. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah, Let's move 10, now 10, to ten ten game with zero points or something. Yeah, yeah I, I want to to catch some other subjects, so I want to 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 run through this fast. Uh, let's go to the free agents. Uh, Dan, you've mentioned uh, a guy like Bruce Brown would be good for the Nuggets and probably the best uh, level of player they can expect for that uh, uh, small mid level exception they will be they will have in the offseason. Do you have? I'm putting you on a spot. Do you have any other names? that you could come up that would be useful rotation players for the Nuggets next yeah, season sure. that, that fit that uh, value. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at like 6.4 million, I think would be the top yeah. out of the mini MLE. So I think a reunion with Gary Harris wouldn't be, would be far from the worst thing in the world. Still on the smaller end, not super long, but he quietly had a really good season for Orlando. His offense seems like it's back and you can't imagine there'd be regression with Nikola Jokic there. I also think if you're really looking for more just like true wings, um, Pat Connaughton has a player option with Milwaukee. I expect him to decline it. I don't know if he prices himself out of the mini MLE market though. Uh, And then this is a name that I've brought up a few times with a couple of different teams. And I just think that a smart franchise is going to, to sign him is Amir coffee was great 
for the Clippers this past year as they were navigating all all their own absences. Someone who I don't know that you want to use him all the time as a point of attack defender, but they moved him all around defensively, one through four. Uh, he gave them some ball handling. He shot the three ball fairly well. Uh, and he has some, I wouldn't say speed off the dribble, but he will work off the dribble. They gave him some spot pick and roll uh, a duty. And then they also, you know, he can turn a corner with his left hand and try and get to the, to the basket. So there are names out there that I think the wing market is incredibly shallow. So it's going to be hyper competitive, but I do think that there, if the nuggets are, I don't want to say get a little lucky, but I do think there are at least realistic names that they could look at. And Bruce Brown, again, being one of them, um, that should fall under that financial umbrella. Well, I, I, so Bruce Brown, you said, uh, and if, especially if he had a really, if I had a, I don't know if he had a good relationship with Jeff Green, Jeff Green might be like, Hey, this is really good thing here. So, you, you know, you might be able to have that in, uh, especially with Amir coffee. This is one of those, if Conley was here, it would be one of those that maybe it's a lock to like get him because uh, that's like a player that, that you would want to you know be like, hey, th- let's see how this works out because we, we always – not it's not a gamble. He's he's not a bad player. He's just he's not – you know, he's Bruce Brown, you know, playing in, in like the, the Nets or you say people saying KCP or Dordo and these guys, they're more like quote-unquote established. But Amir Coffey is like, I would, I would love it. It's I have like this – we're like I love weird players. I love taking gambles on players. So that would be one of those like – Especially also my Big Ten guy, so that'd be really fun to. Oh, you know, if you like gambles, Ball Ball will probably be available oh, next season. Get the, get the hell out of here! <laughs> that's not like, this. Is, that's not gambling. That's just playing lottery and and losing all the time. Okay, I have one one more dark uh, thing to talk about, and that's uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s Yay. future career. I, I don't want to skip this subject because I think it, it's it's uh, valuable to speak about it, even though we all hope for the best with his uh, future uh, career. But what do you think then would be the best, the most realistic and the worst scenario for the Nuggets with his contract that is just starting the, the, the five-year max that's starting right now? The worst case scenario is that things just continue the way that they've been, where his availability is intermittent and there might be seasons where he misses the vast majority, if not all of them. And you safeguard yourself a little bit with the partial guarantee on the, the final year, but that's a long way away. <laughs> Five years ago, yeah. Yeah, and I think you guaranteed him. It was like one, I think he's guaranteed 146 plus million. So like that's a lot of money. Uh, best case scenario would be that he's just a, a superstar, uh, maybe on the maybe a little bit higher than Jamal Murray level, just because you look at his size and his ability to shoot over everybody. Even if you get to the Jamal Murray level, where you're talking about, oh, he's in the All Star conversation consistently enough, even if he's not making those teams, that's huge. A more realistic outcome feels like it's going to be this is someone that you overpaid, but he is still super useful to your team. And what at least helps you there is you don't need him to be in theory, a superstar. And also the way that he can be used on offense, um, he can shoot over anyone. He can play off the ball. That, in theory, should be not as physically taxing. And so maybe that helps preserve his body. You also might be in a better position to monitor his minutes for the duration of this contract as well. I think where that becomes a difficult discussion is, well, if you're tamping down his responsibilities on offense, 
what does that mean for him on defense? Because he was never a great defender, but he had become like by the end of last season, a playmaking defender, where was you could count on him to make plays around the basket. Um, he was moving really well and he knew how to use his size in certain spots. He might still be able to do all those things, but if you're worried about him taking on too much of a role on offense, it's not going to be easier to use him defensively. If he's stiff or if he just can't move the same way, um, there are going to be matchups that really hurt him. And then you have to go and build out the rest of your rotation on the margins in the image of what MPJ looks like on that end. Because I, I think it's, and I don't even think you need to argue whatever happens, best case, worst case, middle, middle end outcome. It's all workable for the nuggets on offense because of the personnel that they have and then what MPJ can do, even if he is a reduced version of himself, the defense starts to put you in some interesting dilemmas just because Nicole Jokic, very good defender, not a defensive player of the year candidate. Like I saw some people arguing Jamal Murray, certainly not even, I, I don't even like he's, we've seen really great defensive toughness from Jamal Murray, but like a lot of the things in his career, it's felt inconsistent. So you're already dealing with two of your best players who are not, I would say, in any given matchup, you can't guarantee either of those players are going to be a plus defensively. If you now throw Michael Porter Jr. into that equation, only he's worse than them, I don't know what you're necessarily supposed to do. Um, It becomes more difficult if you have three liabilities, again, in certain matchups, because I don't view Jokic as a liability, but if you have three liabilities in certain matchups, it's going to be really hard to win postseason series like that. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right with with Michael Porter's worst obviously is what you said with this and and that like trying to play because even not playing ever for Nuggets like if he retires like I don't I think that it works like he did I don't know if they're paying him or if or it goes off the books or whatever the they, they would be is. paying him but they would get a, a exception yeah exception something yeah so it's not so that's not the worst the worst would be like he plays a few games then he's out for the year or like after the year and you not you never know if he's gonna be back or not realistic is you're trying to low manage him for the year to try to tamp him to like a certain point to the playoffs. The problem is he's not Clay Thompson to like that. He's been through it and he has these fundamentals that you can be like, yeah, we will rest you every other game or every third game. And, and then we'll, you know, and then in the playoffs you can ramp you up uh, real. Yeah, and then realistic, I think that's the well, best case would be what you said, Dan is, is he improves defensively and he becomes like an Andrew Wiggins, uh, route not like a player type but just like a route like he was supposed to be a superstar got paid a lot of money but just transitions into a really good role player like i would really love that if that's the case because then at least like playmaking on defense like we've seen so many like good blocks with him and sometimes he can rotate like it's just getting routinely and that's like one of those like the vicious cycle of he needs minutes to get used to the playing on defense but you can't tax him too much on minutes because he's back so it is it it just it's gonna might, might end up being like hey we pay, overpaid you know we took a gamble we lost I still don't understand how Jamal Murray end up with that top five defensive player of the year ranking or whatever the the NBA.com had I I, I mean it, it was still fun I think they just wanted Dejounte Murray and did or like had some weird <laughs> stat that there's some weird stat that showed like no you know people are not hitting over Jamal Murray and he's like so that's where we're gonna pull out he's the best better defender. So, because I've seen people like argue, it's like, oh, bro, he was a, he was in one point, he was a defensive player of the year candidate. Like, no, no, he's, he's not. He's, he can be like a big body, you know, decent body size and you can't post him up and stuff like that. But he's, he wasn't a, he wasn't a top five. We do guys a disservice when we try and inflate 
like their skill sets because you can't appreciate what Jamal Murray actually does or how much he has or will improve defensively if you're just a well, he's already just defensive player of the year. Like he should have been all defense, or he's one of the best point guard defenders in the league. Like you do more damage by like powdering yeah, those, those arguments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what that's what I think. That's what the what, what with Jokic was. You said it. Like people were saying defensive player of the year or all defensive team stuff. And like let's not go overboard. He wasn't. Like he's not as bad as as like his biggest detractors say, and he's really not as good as you know biggest supporters say. Like he's a really decent defender in certain positions. Like that's what um, I heard. Some uh, one of the guys from I think uh, Rumble Rock uh, they're on Fast Break Breakfast talking about Bielita. How everyone is, it's like one of those like it, it circulates through the league of like what the what specific type player is. It's like oh he good shooter, good passer, shitty on defense. He's like, well, actually, well, during the season, he was actually really good on defense, which like yesterday in the game he showed he has really good positioning. And then with passing and shooting, he wasn't as good as people were saying. Uh, and it's kind of with, with sometimes with, you know, with Jokic stuff, like, and, and he's like defensive. Because, oh, defensive numbers show this, this, and this. And then you have to obviously always have contacts with these. And, and then when someone says, look at how good he is, others will say, like, oh, you're basically, like, talking talking bullshit and they will just <laughs> they will just they'll just make a, a a video of like five minutes of him being blown out in the in the spread pick and roll and they will prove you that yoke is, is in fact not a yeah, yeah. good defender but yeah i agree the defensive metrics are very wanky and they can they can make a lot of disservice i have to agree with with dan about the outcomes for michael porter's career just to get back to that subject because if everything stays the same, and that means that he plays for two out of next four seasons, that's a disaster on a max contract. That's really the, the worst case scenario. I would actually put uh, him actually putting his uh, health before his basketball career and just ending it if he cannot stay on the court uh, like, like a second best uh, scenario for the Nuggets because, as, as Voya mentioned, they would get some kind of cap relief because of that. Of course, Kronkis would have to pay his contract in full because everything is yeah. guaranteed. It's going to fail. Well, sucks here. for him, like, you know, but 23 and you have three back surgeries. Listen, like, man, I'm real, I'm real happy because he has such a good agent and he got all of that money with his uh, injury career. So I'm really glad that he get, got that money. I hope he'll stay healthy and, and earn Mark, some more. Mark is the man. <laughs> even if he doesn't, I mean, it's it's not a big tragedy. You can you can, you can can get a lot uh, worse than $150 million, I guess. And at least the move is defensible. I think they could have waited, yeah. but the season he was coming off, like that was, you know, yes, if he was entering restricted free agency now, no, I don't think he's getting that money. Uh, but the Nuggets have, they've operated under like this, um, you know this this franchise Crazy, yeah. mantra of we're going to take care of our own guys and like that's their thing is like they they gave Jamal Murray the extension so like why wouldn't you give Michael Porter Jr. the extension so even if it ends up being a bad deal I don't think it was a bad decision by the Nuggets just because when you are yeah, yeah. in this type of a market you do need to sort of separate yourself uh in some ways and they're paying their players they're taking care of them a little bit earlier than some other more I guess you'd call them callous or just cold and calculated teams might have I mean, Jokic. They declined. There was a team option on Jokic in his in his max year, and they declined it to sign him on a max, so he's taken care of. Because it was funny, it was a, what fourth, I think, in the MVP that year when they signed him finally. But they could have had him on a team option, which was like two million, 
and he might have been like top four in the MVP, like the at two yeah, million dollars. Yeah, I I remember back then and going into free agency. His his Honestly. agent Mirko Rajnatovic said, "I I really hope they won't be playing with fire and and extending that two million option on him because that wouldn't be the wisest thing to do with such a great player. Because yes, they can sign him on a on a rookie extension after that in." in uh, a restricted free agency but that will not end well for the nuggets so I'm, yeah i'm pretty sure right that it was an even easier decision for them because if they didn't if they didn't decline the team option when he hit free agency he was going to be an unrestricted free oh agent. yeah that's he right he would be yeah, unrestricted. unrestricted that's right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's so right he, that would have been franchise malpractice on their part yeah, of it especially because uh, we talk about you know with this serbian corner from a perspective as like from as serbians like that would even I, 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 we almost, I almost guarantee that he wouldn't have signed for the back for the Nuggets if they had picked up that option, just because it would have been the the disrespect. Not- no matter how much money you can offer me, or like you're apologizing, or like giving the reasons, like screw you, like this is this this is disrespect. Like I'm bringing you the you know top four. He would have signed somewhere. I probably would have went to San Antonio or one of those other teams like that. That would be like, hey, come here, like we'll take care of you. And I think that that was the smart move. And again, you have to if you you know, do that to Jokic, then you do that to Jamal, turns out to be a good move. You have to keep going because, again, free agents are not flocking to come to... And that's how the Nuggets have operated, which I think is smart, is that cap space means a lot more to teams in certain markets than it does in others. And it's more valuable to have Michael Porter Jr. to make that dice roll if he becomes the player you think he's going to be than to bank on acquiring that player through means other than the draft. You're not... If Michael Porter Jr. pans out... The Nuggets have never signed a player like that in free agency, and yeah, exactly, um, and they've never they've never really even traded for a player like that. So just because those players don't just become readily available, and teams that are in their markets are a little bit reticent to go all in on stars if they know that free agency is upcoming. So I don't, I I get the argument for why the Nuggets could have waited, but it just that's one that's just not how they operated. So that that's the other thing is it was never really on the table. But two, I understand the thought process behind what they did. Yeah. Okay, we are uh, running a bit long today, and uh, I don't think it will be a problem because Adam is probably already drunk. You're playing golf, playing they don't golf. know. Yeah, so he probably <laughs> won't even notice this. So we're going to the to the last segment for today, and that's the fish stew Ooh. disagreements. And we're going to uh, try and do a very tricky thing to predict how the Nuggets. Uh, next regular season is going to roll out this will be most this will most probably lead us to some disagreement because it's super hard to predict something like this even even before draft but i want to see which teams out of those top four teams and those were suns grizzlies warriors and mavs could be overtaken by the nuggets next season and which play in or, or worse teams from this season could uh, actually surpass Nuggets next season. What do you think, Dan? What what think seems realistic to you? They could realistically jump anyone who is ahead of them, I think, with the exception of the Warriors at this point. And I say that just there's a lot of uncertainty in Phoenix right now, Chris Paul getting older, Aiden going into restricted free agency. Um, so I think it's realistic to think that they could finish as high as two. Uh, I wouldn't even say that's their ceiling. Their ceiling is one if they're healthy. But when you're taking in that uncertainty, I'd say around two feels right. I'm not overly worried about any of the playing teams behind them, aside from there's the Clippers, obviously, if they stay healthy. 
And the team I would keep an eye on, and spoiler is not the Lakers. I just I can't bring myself to care about the Lakers anymore. Pelicans. I, it's the Pelicans. I I might be way too high on the Pelicans, but if you're going to tell me that Zion plays in 60 yep. games next season, <laughs> uh, that's a team you need to watch out for based off how they close the year. Yeah, I, I know that was that was my first when you said Minnesota when you said a playing team that can jump. My first thought was I know it was probably unrealistic to think that, but it was like it was Pelicans. I maybe probably won't happen, but I wouldn't be shocked. Like I, I almost kind of root for them to go higher and just to be like a Memphis Grizzlies of this of the next season, just be like a fun story. Um, even without Zion, like just to go you know go with this specific team, uh, they can yeah they can jump. Anyone, I realistic. I think they might be around hovering around four. I just don't know after these couple of years without Murray. I think there's gonna be, and if even if, if Jokic, especially if Jokic plays in the Euro Euro basket, that he might come in a little like hazier in the in the beginning of the season and not jump off at like the MVP level right away. And which which we shouldn't even expect or want him to tax himself as as much as he did the last two years. So I think. Four ish would be my. I had I had five for this season. I was close. I think like four, even with healthy, because like, I don't know. This nugget they just don't inspire sustained like excellent confidence in me uh, that they can go and run through the league. They always just play up to the competition, and that's one of those things I wish they just could root out out of that out of that team just so they can, if they have a weak weaker team in front of them, they just steamroll like three or four, you know, seven or eight, ten games in a row if they could. They went to nine and like relaxed on a Boston twenty point game and and lost that after Gordon trade. So I still think it, it, it's four because I think the other teams are probably might try harder in the regular season than the Nuggets or just be present, I guess, in the beginning. I would agree with that, and I think it's really really important for the Nuggets to be in the top four next season because we've seen what happened to them when they finished sixth. Yeah. Then you can get. Golden State Warriors in the first round and just get almost swept by them. And we've seen how every other team uh, uh, had uh, their um, uh, amusement against uh, the Warriors this season. Uh, thing is, the Nuggets have uh, Michael Malone as their coach, who is uh, far from the perfect coach. He tends to uh, take a lot of time in playoffs to adjust to a playoff series. So it would be good if the first playoff series would be an easier one. So yeah. even if they get in the uh, zero to two hole, they could dig dig out of it and and get back. Because if you try to do that against the Warriors, that won't happen. So yeah, I agree. I think the Nuggets really need to push for the top four seed. I don't know if if you need to go much much higher than that. Risk any any injuries in in playing your over or playing your guys. Uh, at most, but I will I will fix them as like number three, and I have no idea who the top two teams are really because it could yeah. be Memphis, you know, it could be I don't know Dallas, it it could be anybody really because Phoenix Suns look like they they should really uh, refurbish themselves because what they showed uh, in these playoffs is not what they've they've been hoping hoping to do so yeah they probably, might become uh, if, like if they don't position. change much they might become the utah jazz uh and just like, oh, that, still be the number one seed that, that's a dream scenario really <laughs> i mean in that case not not the call i mean they're probably better but probably i just i still it's such a weird it was such a weird game seven that sounds thing like i'm still not convinced that they're not good i i i was 
I was I was never on their bandwagon. I was always like mad that people are like boasting them that high because I was mad of like ten years of lottery. Of course, you're gonna get a good team together, but I'm now I'm not on the piling on on them and like being like they're they're frauds completely. Like I'm there. I'm somewhere like on both on both ends. I'm like not on the extremes. So I still think that they could be number one seed next year too, unless they just start fighting within you know in fighting, and and the chemistry is gone because of that just that one game or one series, but. That'll be fun. I mean, it'll be fun to see. I love. I love this. The uh, Adam and the guys were talking about with. There's no Cleveland and Golden State. Like, oh, we were penciling them in for the finals and just waiting for the outcome. Now it's just so much fun because you don't know what to expect. Like again, Boston was 11th in January and they just jumped in and like now they're they might be in the finals. So I, I love I love NBA. You know how it's going right now with the parity. Okay, for the for the very end of the show. Give me your predictions for the for the NBA championship. First of all, I haven't seen a single match of Eastern Conference Finals. I don't want to watch that. Is there any chance for, for Miami to get to the Game 7? And after that, who is winning the championship? Is there a chance that the Golden State Warriors are not the champions? Is there a chance? I think there's a chance. I Boston, I'm really high on. I would be shocked if it's the Heat that make it to the NBA Finals. They're just so banged up right now. Yeah. I think all their half-court offense concerns, are they're coming to light at the worst possible time uh, because in part of those injuries. Uh, Boston and Golden State, assuming that's the matchup, is something I still can't wrap my head around. The Warriors have looked like a buzzsaw, though, um, especially against Dallas. And I might lean towards picking them, but after the, some of the series and games that we've had to labor through this postseason, I'm just hoping that finals goes seven and it's a classic because as basketball fans, we deserve it after yeah, the that's, basketball that we've sat through. Yeah, Eastern Conference. I think that Milwaukee in Boston was fun. And and even like Dallas and Phoenix was all like there were thirty point games, twenty point games. Like this this Eastern Conference Finals, I don't know if I've ever seen a worse. Like it's, it's worse than a first rounder sometimes. Like at least the first rounder, one team is much better, so they're at least playing well. This is unbelievable that there've been like four or five games with the twenty point lead. Like all the games have a twenty point lead for some team. I, I I'm going Boston six. I, I love I love this team. I love the defense. I always lean on defense. But this is like my my high school dream matchup for the finals. Like I was on the early on the Warriors bandwagon uh, in like 2011, 2012, and obviously I love Boston for KG. So like in high school, if you had told me like this is the, the matchup you're gonna get in 10 years, I'd be like, cool, I'll get it. I said on Twitter, I, I'm fine with that matchup for the finals. Whoever wins wins, and then we can have a Denver dynasty. I'm good with that. Okay, thanks to everybody who was powering through with us for the last 69 minutes of their lives. Uh, please go go follow Dan on Twitter at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. Did I do it right? Yes, and uh, go go listen to Harvard Knox. It's a really it's a really great general NBA podcast. So. We'll, we'll see you when we see you, probably next week in another Serbian Corner segment. But who knows, we might make another impromptu show like this one next week again. Thanks, Dan. Take care, guys. Thanks Hello. for having me.